it's happened. It's finally happened. It's been 18 years, and the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. So, of course, got to bring back Jordan Cohen, and we got to discuss how we're feeling about the Browns. Because uh, I'm very excited. I mean, you were very excited last night, right? Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's just unreal to me. I mean, it's unreal for a variety of reasons, right? One, I did not expect them to be this good this season. But two, like, I mean, I can bear – I remember the last time the Browns made the playoffs. I was, I think, 11 years old, and my dad was getting married for a second time. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even get to see, like, the last game where the Browns clinched the playoff spot. And then I remember watching that run, Willie, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the playoff. I mean, people forget we should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Like we, th- that was the most Brownsy choke job. It, we should have won. Yeah, we, so I'm we, excited. I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm very excited too. Uh, I had myself uh, my fair share of beers last night. I don't know about you. Here. Uh, you oh, said yes. you said boat of beers. Uh, I believe yep. I said endless supply of beers. A uh, <laughs> little groggy this morning, but you know what? It was worth it. I'm sure oh, I'll be 100%. a real groggy next Monday and next Tuesday because it'll be two long back to back nights for me uh, yeah. with the Browns and then the Buckeyes the next night. Um, so that'll be fun. But <clears throat> I'm very excited the Browns are in the playoffs. I just, I can't believe it. It doesn't seem real. Well, and not only, like, I, I, I we'll talk about the game, obviously, but I think the Steelers are probably the best matchup the Browns could have asked for. In this first round. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, given the teams they could have faced, right? So they could have faced Buffalo, mm-hmm. who I think would have just, would have, slash maybe eventually do destroy us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that is just a terrible matchup. And then the other was Tennessee, I think, was the only other possibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that game that we won against Tennessee was very fluky. Uh, if you look yes. at a lot of what happened, there was a lot of fluky stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just very difficult. Like what we saw in the second game against the Ravens, right? When you play a team for the second time, you you can adapt a little bit, right? Yes. And so the Titans would go in that game knowing the Browns were going to pass, right? Because Titans have a good run defense. Stefanski, I think rightfully in that game, ran only when – like he ran the ball a lot, but mm-hmm. it was clearly pass setting up the run. Yeah. And Titans would prepare for that. So I, I didn't want to face them. And I also just think they're much better than they played in that game. Like, Titans destroyed the Ravens this year. Yeah. And I, so, I, to me, I didn't want to do that. Like, the Steelers, kind of my gut is the Browns got whooped when they faced the Steelers the first time yeah. with the full Steelers team. So, if anything, the Browns are going to have that advantage. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm okay with it. I also just want to beat Pittsburgh. Like, I want to beat Pittsburgh's A-team send Big Ben packing. Like, all right, Big Ben, time to retire. Like, just, I want to beat them. I want to beat them, too. Uh, Everyone wants to beat them. (laughs) But looking at, uh, you know, the game on Sunday, we we faced the B team. Okay. We did. We faced the B team. Uh, Mason Rudolph stinks, but I don't think he played that awful. I mean, he did a lot so of I, he did a lot of Joe Flacco, Denard Robinson moonball throws down the field which got him a ton of yards, but he I've seen him play worse. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. Well, and I so to I actually don't think he is necessarily a bad quarterback. I actually think he has a great arm. Mm-hmm. Like I think the reason why they were able to do those moonball throws, he throws a really good deep ball. 
He did it last year too. The problem last year is he couldn't read a field. Mm-hmm. And it I think this game was a little bit easier just because of like I don't even remember the starting cornerback we had, but like I actually felt bad for the guy because Robert Jackson was yeah, Robert Jackson. Like I felt bad for the guy because all game long he was matched up against receivers that were just better. And to be fair, he played his heart out. Like yeah, you couldn't expect him to do better than he did. I just felt really bad. Like how demoralized must he have been after that win? Like it just and so my hope is that I also think Mason Rudolph may be more of a threat than Big Ben. Um just given what Big Ben has done the last few games, mm-hmm. they can't throw it long anymore. And, and yeah, that's true. The, the Steelers' offense has not looked great over the past few games, but you know maybe him not playing this week's way for him to rest up his arm and give himself a little bit of a recharge. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there were clear issues we saw that you're going to need to figure out. They mm-hmm. did play their A-team offensive line. And what was clear is our defensive line couldn't do anything. And I think largely that's because Miles isn't – we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Miles isn't the same since he got COVID. And, okay, can we talk about Joe Woods for a second? Sure. Let's talk about Joe Woods. I I, I am sorry. He, I don't buy this excuse that they're injured players. He had a fully healthy roster, and the roster was entirely reliant on Miles Garrett getting strip sacks. His defense is entirely reliant on variance plays. On statistical noise. You cannot say we have a great defense because we generate a lot of turnovers. Because guess what? You pointed this out last week. Turnovers are random. Yeah. And you, the, so, like, think about the Bears two years ago when they had, like, the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The, yes, they were generating a lot of turnovers. That's why they were first that year and, like, sixth the year after. But they were sixth the year after because they had a really strong floor, right? Mm-hmm. They did certain things really well. And if you got turnovers, all the better. But you didn't need them to have a good defense. Mm-hmm. Joe Woods, like, can't, I, I'm sorry, he doesn't blitz. Like, I, I'm sorry, if I have to see, like, uh, Joe, people say, oh, Joe Woods blitzes all the time. No, he doesn't. He, he rushes doesn't. four all the time. I can't remember one time he rushed a linebacker all season. What he does is he'll rush a cornerback, mm-hmm. which is, like, the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Because if that doesn't work, it's a touchdown. Yeah. And then sometimes he gets really creative and he rushes a cornerback and a safety. And I can't remember one time this season where that hasn't turned out horribly. He's it, not a good coordinator. That usually results in Sandejo being one-on-one with their burner receiver and him getting burned for a highlight touchdown. Yeah, and like, I'm sorry. I, I don't believe for a second. Sione whatever. I don't believe for a second you can tell Sione Takitaki just charge the middle of the offensive line as hard and fast as you can. Like, of course he can do that. I, have him do that. That's blitz, right? Yeah. Then you... Then you're blitzing without giving up your secondary. But we've we've seen like none of that. It's all it's nope. all secondary blitzes. And the Steelers are going to pick us apart next weekend. It's going to happen. I, I think mm-hmm. they're going because I think what they're going to do. They're not going to rely on the deep ball. They're going to rely on the short ball. Yeah. And every time Mac Wilson's in coverage, they're going to run play action and pass it right to Mac Wilson. He bites on every play action fake. Every it's been two years of this. It's it's stunning. He bites. You remember on... he was drafted, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's a good coverage linebacker. He just sucks at everything else." I, <laughs> I think he's not a good coverage linebacker. It, he sucks. <laughs> you want a hype man? Mac Wilson's your guy. Um... Okay, Joe Woods. Other <laughs> thing, he lets that defense celebrate way too often. Mac Wilson will make like a like a tackle after the running back in six yards, and mm-hmm. it'll be like second down. And starts celebrating. It's like, dude, you're third and four. 
Like, you didn't do shit. And Joe, and they just celebrate all game. And Joe Woods just stands there. It's like, dude, tell them to stop celebrating. You're the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, it's not a good defense. The only reason that their defense appears to not be as horrible as it actually is is because they were generating turnovers for a good bulk, bulk of the season. And uh, they played three games straight with just terrible weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like, really impacts the, the that, overall numbers. That wasn't numbers. good defense. It was just terrible weather against pretty mediocre quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the one the one game against the Raiders, the Raiders had six possessions the entire game. Of course the defensive numbers aren't going to look terrible when the other team has the ball six times. Right, and listen, I'm not – like, Brandon Staley with the Rams is, I, I think, probably the best defensive coordinator in football right now, like, even better than Belichick. And so you don't need Brandon Staley. But for, like, I don't know, 18 years, I've been asking the Browns, can we just hire a young defensive coordinator? Like, mm-hmm. bring in, like, a defensive backs coach or something. Some young guy who's really creative. Joe, this is the most vanilla defense we've ran in, decade, like, a decade. I'm trying to think the last time we ran a defense this boring. Uh, didn't... Uh, who was Pat Shermer's defensive coordinator? That was about 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was probably... Was that... He's still around, too. I forgot who it is. Because he's still, I remember seeing that name and thinking like, oh, where, when did he coach us? I, I gotta, I gotta look, look up who the defensive coordinator yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, I, just one of these young creative guys, and I get they didn't want to do it because it was Stefanski's first. Dick Jerron. Dick Jerron, yep. Like, that was, I would take that again. Like, I get, Stefanski clearly does not need, like, these veteran defensive coaches around them, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's a good enough man manager. We've seen that. Yes. So bring in some young guy. They're going to keep on because they're going to say, oh, we had so many injuries. And then what's going to happen next year is the Chiefs are going to light us up for about 60 points. And then they're going to fire him. And then it's going to be like, oh, how would would we know he sucks? Mm -hmm. And it'll be like when people ask, how do we know that Hugh Jackson sucks? Well, if you looked at his 131 and 1 record, it would be pretty (laughs) clear. If you looked at the, I think we're the worst pass defense in the NFL, like pretty clear. He's not that good. Yeah, I, I mean, is it? I don't want to. It's it's strange because is it, has he been given like the the best hand for this season? Absolutely not. However, what he's doing adjustment wise, scheme wise, it's been not encouraging. Uh, Robert Jackson being on an island the entire game is horrible. Okay, and yeah. that's what he was. Yep, he he was treating him like he was prime Darrell Revis when. This guy played, like, a handful of snaps all season before Sunday? No, I really felt bad for Robert Jackson. Like, I really, honestly, like, I'm not joking. I felt bad for him. I mean, he was put in a position to fail. Yeah. And it's just not great. I mean, they're, they're, they could have done something. I don't know. Without, you know, breaking things down to a, such a, you know, specific level what they could have done. But they could have done something that was not just Robert Jackson man-to-man on well, Go what, you know, it's funny. All season long, we've been putting Denzel Ward in zone. The mm-hmm. best, like one of the best, five best man corners in the NFL. We've put, been putting in zone all year. Mm-hmm. So when we have the fourth or fifth string cornerback in, what do we do? Man to man. Like, what are you doing? Oh, uh, you know, I just realized what defense this reminded me of. Remember when Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator for the Browns? Yep, yep. Hey, that's a great call. Nothing that's but two man under. Man to man, two man under. And reliant on sacks and turnovers. 
that's what this I defense mean, is. That that is it, it's very similar. I think actually, I think it's very like listen. Greg Williams is a very uh, it, he, Greg Williams' flaws overcome a lot of his positives. Yeah, but to give Greg Williams credit, like the the, the opposing of offense never knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. You had an idea, but like he would do crazy shit, and I, I would like like some sort of mix of like that crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I, have you been watching the Rams? So the Rams put less men in the box than any other team in the NFL, mm-hmm. and yes, that's because they have Aaron Donald. But what they're doing, I was listening to the Athletics NFL show this mm-hmm. morning, and, and he points this out. They're putting Donald in a position where Donald literally is just taking on two offensive linemen. But it's not just like Donald's amazing so he's doing that because what the rest of the line is doing mm-hmm. is playing around that, right? So they know Donald probably isn't – like they know the other team's going to double-team Donald and that Donald is probably not going to get through. So they put five guys in the box. Usually that's what they're doing. They're putting five guys in the box. And they have the other team has no idea what one of those five guys are doing. Yeah. The other four they know, including mm-hmm. Donald, but they don't know the fifth. And that's because Staley's just a really creative and smart defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That was really great. And I get it. We don't have Aaron Donald. We do have Miles Garrett. And I mean, Miles Garrett early on in the game looked much better than later on, which mm-hmm. signals to me he's probably just cannot play a full game at full strength, which is fine. But you also have Denzel Ward. Like I, I'm sorry, there's. This defense is bad talent-wise, mm-hmm. but there are players you can do stuff like that. And Joe Woods doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, w- when I was... Before the game, even, the, the day before the game, I was just, you know, just tweeting after, you know, you know, and Denzel Ward and all, all these guys being placed on the COVID list. I'm like, it's going to be rough because it doesn't matter how good the pass rush is. If the defensive backs can't cover, the defensive right. line is irrelevant. And that's right. what we saw during Miles Garrett's rookie year. Miles Garrett was yep. really close, got close to the quarterback all the time, but he was just like one or two steps away a whole bunch of the time. Yep, exactly. And I mean, I feel like we saw quite a bit of that yesterday. I, I know that, you know, they they did sack Mason Rudolph one time, a whopping one time, yeah. and they did hit him five times total. But I, I mean, it's not like there was a ton of pressure on him. Even no. w- even with you know Miles Garrett you know playing well early on, it's not like he was hitting him a whole bunch or you know getting really close to him. It was Mason Rudolph had time to throw, and which yeah. allowed the some of just the best Joe Flacco impression I've ever seen uh, yeah, take well, place. It, <laughs> the pressure got a lot worse when Olivier Vernon got hurt too. I mean, it was bad before then, but Vernon all season has been really good at collapsing the pocket. Mm-hmm. And when he went out, it was, I mean, that, that really, to me, was kind of the, okay, we have no pass rush. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of Vernon, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, ruptured Achilles, done for the year, obviously. Yeah. And uh, Porter Gus and Adrian Claiborne are going to get a little boost in playing time, which, it's fine. It's fine. Not optimal. Uh, so, Adrian, I mean, I, I get the Adrian Claiborne thing because of his nerve issue, he can't actually play on that side of the defensive line. So if he's going to play, then miles Garrett needs to shift over to the other side. Yeah. So I think it'll be a lot of Porter Gustin. Yeah, probably. And who's not honestly like to give him, he's fine. He he is a, he's a replacement level defensive end. They're they're replacement level rotational guys, guys that should play 
thirty percent of the snaps a game at most. Yep. I mean, in a perfect this, scenario, I, I actually think the ruptured Achilles is probably good for the Browns' odds of getting Vernon on a good contract this summer. Mm-hmm. And so I think they should do that. But I also think we we should draft another defensive end. Oh, absolutely. Doesn't need to be first round. It could be. Doesn't need to be. But I, I think you need to draft somebody that, at the very least, will be ready to play next season. Yeah, I mean, what you hope for with with Vernon, uh, if you do sign him to some sort of deal, or be like, hey, we want you to keep you keep you around here. Here's a here's a nice friendly deal type of thing. Is that you yeah. hope that he comes back the last half of the season. Right. maybe the last quarter of the season. I know it's very stereotypical fan speak. Oh, it's like getting a, a free agent signing or a trade at the end of the season after the deadline. But that's kind of like what it would be. Yep. Well, and I, I think the this puts the Browns in a position to give a contract that is friendly to both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Vernon right now is going to want a long-term deal because this is Vernon clearly just has injury issues. Yeah. Not like terrible ones. I think it's overstated a little bit, it but is. he does get injured. And so Vernon's going on a long-term deal. The Browns aren't going to pay a ton of money. And so I think there's room for kind of like a six to eight-ish million dollar a year deal mm-hmm. that goes three years guaranteed, something like that, or that escalates, right? So maybe next year it's lower in value. Mm-hmm. And then as the contract goes on, it becomes higher and higher, um, which again, isn't super ideal for the Browns, but if the value is low enough, Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. And I think that's a deal they should pursue, especially if the plan is to draft somebody. Yeah. You know that guy you're drafting is going to be due for a new contract in four years. But before that point, he's going to be very cheap. And so, I mean, I don't see why you just don't match Vernon up with that rookie's contract. Maybe give Vernon one year less. Yeah, I would probably do the, the one year less and, you know, draft a draft a rookie. Yeah. Uh, but back to the game yesterday. Um, yeah. Is there anything you didn't like uh, that happened from the Browns' uh, perspective? I, I mean, so, yes. But I I have a hot take. I'm ready. But, but I think it's correct. So, Stefanski all season, we've talked about this countless times, mm-hmm. does, like, every game runs just a crazy amount of, not, not just trick plays, trick plays are part of it, but, like, very creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, whether it's just like running a lot of duo off zone read play or off uh, outside zone plays, mm-hmm. or, or the trick plays, and you even saw it a little bit against the Jets, less trick play stuff because I think the new receivers, but you still saw there was some creative stuff in that game. And yesterday was the most vanilla play calling I've seen from him all year. So, and he wasn't giving the ball to Chubb enough. Yeah, which to me. <laughs> can mean one of two things. Either Stefanski just had a terrible day out, which I think is very possible, or Stefanski had two playbooks ready to go. And I think it's the latter. Because what we saw in that last drive, that sweet play, that's mm-hmm. a Kevin Stefanski play. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that is a Kevin Stefanski play. The only other play that entire game that was somewhat creative was the Nick Chubb kind of end around looking thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really just a... Like cut back, but it, it the way it played out because it was so far outside looked like an end round. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of those two plays, they didn't run anything creative. So my gut is Stefanski kind of went in with this vanilla playbook and said, if we get the lead, 
we're going to stick with the playbook. The second that lead comes under threat, I'll break out the more creative stuff. I think given they've only had two practices in the last two weeks, that was probably playing into it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily buy that, oh, he did that just to like keep the Steelers off guard. I think that may have been a part of it. I think the other thing, and they talked about this on the athletic football show, and it's true. Baker Mayfield was jacked up before the game. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, you even saw it during some of the plays. Like, that touchdown pass to Hooper, mm-hmm. like, Hooper caught it. And then afterward was shaking his hands. Yeah. Like, it hurt. Baker was jacked up, which in some ways is good. I think Stefanski also saw that and mm-hmm. probably was like, let me call simpler plays so we can offset some of what is probably going to be balls that are way too hardly thrown and poor reads. Mm-hmm. So, again, it could have just been a bad game. It wouldn't have been a bad – the way it would have been a bad game would have surprised me. Like, the Jets game was a bad game in a way that was not surprising. Mm-hmm. This felt like it would be very surprising, like a surprising type. So that's my hot take. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I mean, I wasn't all that, uh, like – I don't know how to, to phrase this. I wasn't, like, thrilled with the play calling or or the game right. plan. Um Especially since it was the second consecutive week of what the hell are they doing? Um, right, right. Uh, you know, the. I think at one point, like, Nick Chubb had, like, seven carries going into the second half or, like, late in the second quarter. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was just, like, Nick Chubb was gashing that defense and you suddenly stopped handing him the ball. It seemed very strange. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, all's well that ends all they, they won, but... Um, the game I feel should not have been as close as it ended up being, and I I feel like you you run the ball a little bit more, you give it to Nick Chubb a little bit more. It's funny I didn't even have a problem with the run pass splits. Like I thought actually we we did about what it was a little more pass heavy, but more or less it was what we've done all season. Mm-hmm. It was Kareem Hunt like. Again, I think they were worried about Nick Chubb getting hurt. I also think it's if you possible. watch Nick Chubb, he's he's limping around. I think that knee is still bothering him a little bit. That's very possible. Um, and so I think that's part of what's going on too. But put in Ernest Johnson because Ernest Johnson can at least read a hole. I mean, Kareem Hunt is great on those power runs mm-hmm. where he just like slams in a hole as hard as he can. I mean, you even saw that on sweet play, right? Like he just yeah. slammed into the block. He's great on those. But but a defense like Pittsburgh, it doesn't matter because they just have such a good defensive line. Even their B-team defensive line is really good. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't going to work. And so they started using the zone stuff with Hunt, and Hunt just can't do it. Yeah, Hunt did not look uh, particularly good uh, yesterday. He really hasn't looked uh, all that good over the past few weeks either. Um, I don't think he's a good running back. I think he's a one-trick pony. I think he was someone who is, was more of a product of the Chiefs system in Kansas City. 100%. And the fact that he's the second running back on this team elevates the perception of him a little bit more. You know what I mean? Right. You Because know, you know, Nick Chubb does a lot of the, you know, the dirty work early on. Then the defense gets worn down. Then Kareem Hunt comes in and mop-up duty and... Right, get some yards 
which would not be there in the first, second, or even third quarter. Right. So and, that's, yep. that's where I'm at with him. Um, what did you think of, of, of Baker Mayfield's performance? I mean, so I've said this all season. And I, I, I think Baker was fine mm-hmm. more or less yesterday. But it, on average this season, that's what Baker's been. He's mm-hmm. been fine. Right? Yeah. I, I think on average, he is either one of you games, met as many games as he's lost to you, or he hasn't lost you or won you any. It doesn't matter how you want to cut it. I, I think that's kind of where he's at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. Do I think they will extend Baker now that he took them to the playoffs? Yes, I do. Do I think they will give him a huge contract? No, I don't. Do I think they should give him a huge contract? No, I don't. I, I think Baker's a guy that, in this system, and hopefully, I mean, it still is Stefanski's first year. And it's, yes. I mean, I they were talking about this on the athletic show. This is actually really his first year of calling his own offense. Mm-hmm. Because in Minnesota last year, Kubiak was uh, doing a lot of work. Yes. And so I, I think Stefanski will improve. I, I think he will spend a summer improving. And, and that's normal. We see mm-hmm. that with these types of guys. McVeigh did it, Shanahan did it, etc. But I don't think Baker is the answer. And I think what the Browns should look at is exactly what the 49ers did last year. Right? 49ers made the Super Bowl, and then they went in for Tom Brady. Why? Is Jimmy Garoppolo bad? No, Jimmy Garoppolo's fine. Mm-hmm. But they knew that if they could get Tom Brady, that would raise their ceiling. And that's how the Browns need to operate, right? Mm-hmm. Baker's fine. Give Baker that three-year extension. It's fine. At this point, like, I think that's probably better than trading for Stafford just because, like, you you know what you're getting with Baker right now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a change that I've made. That, like, that is clearly, like, I have changed my opinion of him this season. Mm-hmm. But they have to keep their eye out. Like, if all of a sudden the Cowboys and Dak Prescott don't agree to a deal, the Browns better be in on Dak Prescott as fast as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? Where, I mean, is that where you're at, too? Um, pretty much. Uh, I'm not to the extension discussion. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with them picking up the fifth-year option. I've accepted that that's going to happen now. I'm fine with it. I don't love it because I know how much that that cap hit's going to be, how much money it's going to pay pay him, yeah. and with what we're going to get out of his performance. And what we've seen out of his performance is not necessarily worth the amount of money he'll be getting paid. I actually hope they just don't pick up the option and extend him. Like, give him I, 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 I would. I think it's better business. I would almost prefer that, given if the salary that he get in the extension would be less than the fifth year option. If for but, some reason, if any one of those years it's more than that, I would hate it. But if it's so, if it's yeah. below, I'm fine because it would give him more years, but let's say lower money per year, but longer, more money over a three year period or something. Right. I mean, even, and that's what I think smart teams do. It also, the other big thing is it puts your window in better perspective, right? If you pick mm-hmm. up the fifth year option, there is an expectation next summer you're going to give them that extension. Yes. And that means you're just adding the year to the window you have to have Baker. This, mm-hmm. if you give them the three year deal, mm-hmm. it, even if next year he's getting paid almost as much as he would on that fifth year option. I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I would hope it goes down or mm-hmm. declines over the following future years a little bit. But pitch it to him in that way, right? Like, listen, right now the best deal you're going to get is the fifth-year option, and no team's going to give you more than that next year, mm-hmm. like given your performances this year. So here's a three-year deal. You paid almost as much as you would if we just picked up your option. Then you get two more years, and if you perform really well, you'll be 27 years old. 
ready to get your first really big contract and will either give it to you or you'll go somewhere else and they'll give it to you. And I think you pitch it that way to Baker. Mm-hmm. Not similar to what the Raiders did with Derek Carr. Yeah. And I would, you know, I would sign up for that. Yep. You know, for, from my perspective, because, you know, I'm someone who doesn't necessarily have their, their wagon hitched to Baker Mayfield. Um, no. I realize they can win with him and not win because of him. And that's that's right. where I'm at. And I think right. if they were to do that, it, it would still be in the win with them area. And I think that if they still win with them, that's fine with that type of deal. Uh, you know, provided that they make massive upgrades on the defense. Right. I mean, so I was, again, it's a really good, like, I encourage anybody listening to this. And I encourage you, listen to the podcast. I mean, they're really good anyways. Mm-hmm. But they also, it was a really good discussion of the Browns on this athletic show. And they made this point that I think is very fair, which is that Baker Mayfield is never going to be a quarterback that more or less guarantees you playoffs every year. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not that tier. He's not the Matt Ryan tier even, where like if you have him, you know you're going to have a good passing offense every year. What he is is he's a quarterback that will not be an impediment to you making the playoffs. Um, and that's even – he ranges from the low end to the high end on that. Yeah. Right? So high end of that is – kind of your Matt Stafford-y type, mm-hmm. and low-end is probably your... I, right now, I think Baker would be at the low end of that, but I think like when Nick Foles was actually good, when Carson Wentz was actually good, that type of like tier. Alex Smith is another great example, like mm-hmm. not now, but Kansas City Alex Smith. Yeah. Like that kind of low end of that tier. And Baker's going to range in between that, and I think... The best case world is the high end of that, and the worst case world is the low end of that. But that's where he is. And so I agree. We've seen both. <laughs> right, right. This season we've seen both. Yeah, and he's still, still inconsistent. I mean, that yeah. that's a fact. Yep. I, I mean, people want to try and deny it, but he's still inconsistent. Well, and this idea that like he's really cut down his interceptions is statistically true, but that hides really what's going on, which is Stefanski has just like created this offense where Baker only needs to make two reads. Mm -hmm. And like yesterday, the third read was run. Yeah. Which is actually good. I thought that worked very well. And I've been saying this all season. They got to do that more Mm because Baker can move. He's not like Lamar Jackson, but you can run him three, four, five times a game. He's mobile enough. Not on sneaks, but like on sweeps or like rollouts off of play action, have him run up, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Let him do that. I, that's why he's cut down the interceptions. They've drastically simplified this offense. The offense has really been been catered to scheming guys open. Yeah. And as much as Baker's numbers show improvements and all that stuff, it's Stefanski that worked some voodoo magic on this. Let's be real here. So my only concern, and I'm interested in how you feel about this. Again, I love Stefanski, but there's only so many ways you can draw lines on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And like, listen, maybe Stefanski is this type of coordinator that just year after year can figure out new ways to draw lines. And that's kind of what McVay's become. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shanahan's not there yet. Like, teams figured it out this season. It, maybe Stefanski's McVay. I, I don't know. We don't have evidence to suggest either way. Mm-hmm. But my concern is eventually teams figure that out and the choices they have are don't score a lot or risk Baker throwing interceptions. And that's going to be when it gets tough. That's not until that's a next year's problem. 
but it is something I'm concerned about. Uh, it, it is concerning. I mean, because you, you can create the the most exotic and breakthrough and exciting offense, but if the quarterback can't execute it, it doesn't matter. Um, Look at Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. What? Listen, is part of the reason that offense got much better when Alex Smith left just because like Pat Mahomes is an upgrade? Sure. But the other part of that is Andy Reid all of a sudden had 8 million more lines he could draw on a piece of paper mm-hmm. because Pat Mahomes is that good. Baker's not that good. There's going to be a limit on the number of lines Kevin Stansky can draw. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's limited. I mean, what, what you'll eventually see is um, there's a, a certain ceiling this offense has with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback, passing-wise. Uh, and yep. Overall-wise, but definitely passing-wise. And how they navigate that, how they figure it out, how they, uh, I guess, help supplement that problem by improving the defense. Because if they improve the defense, that helps out the offense and what they have to do on their end and what they have to, you know, all the weight that they have to carry. Because let's be honest, they've, they've carried all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. You know, uh, for, you know, Our for the most Our best defense part. has been a run game. Yes. <laughs> Best defense has been the run game. It's been no defensive players whatsoever. Um, right. So it's it's just going to be about finding that right, I guess, meeting point of where they want to, I guess, put themselves. And I, I think they can win games in this in this fashion can they do it consistently i don't know can they do it year after year i don't know can they do it specifically with baker as the quarterback again i don't know yeah i agree with all that i mean our we talked about this uh and a message this morning but mm-hmm. the schedule next year is brutal yeah I, I i mean the browns seem to me to be a team that is going to regress next year mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be because teams start to figure out this offense a little bit more. But mm-hmm. I also think it's just going to be, it's not pancakes anymore. I mean, we're put, playing the AFC, uh, what, what AFC? The Kansas City uh, West. It's AFC West. West. They're, I mean, uh, we can never beat Oakland. I don't know what it is my entire life we've never been able to beat the Raiders. <laughs> Kansas City is going to crush us. And that's not because we're bad. That's because Kansas City is just going to continue to improve. Chargers looked really good this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're going to keep Anthony Lynn or not. They, if they, they fired don't. him. They did? They did. Okay, yeah. They're gonna, they're, what they're going to do is they're going to hire Biennemi from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive, and that he's, team's going to be good. He, he's going to work some magic with Herbert, and that's going to be one dangerous offense, what that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be the same Kansas City thing, which is it's going to be really good next year, and then is going to realize he's not Andy Reid, and the year after that, it's going to slow down. I mean, that's just what happens with Kansas City offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're going to be good next year. That's the, that's the point. So they play them, and then they play the NFC North, yes. right, with Minnesota, Green Bay. And Minnesota doesn't scare me at all. I think, actually, Stefanski's going to want to have a little bit of a showing out there. Mm-hmm. I guess if we crush them. Detroit doesn't scare me, but they're a team that, like, has enough talent where if they actually get a good coach in... They'll, they'll be tough, and mm-hmm. Green Bay is going to smoke us. Yeah, Green Bay on the road, they're going to smoke us. Yeah, Green Bay on the road, you can almost chalk it up as a loss now a year ahead of time. But 
the Bears game could be interesting. Um, I, I know uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, may or may not be there, depending on whether the Bears decide to give him a lofty contract. Um, but that Bears defense is still still good. <laughs> Oh, my God, yeah. No, and they're going to be good for a long time, right? Yeah. It, they did the right thing. They built kind of this core of defensive guys, and they signed them on to deals that all expire around the same time. Mm-hmm. So they have all these guys in their core. And I, I think next year really is probably the last year they will be a guaranteed kind of in-the-playoff hunt team mm-hmm. because I think eventually those guys just get old or contracts expire. So they're, my guess they could be a team to me that tries to go after one of these veterans that are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could even be like a Mason Rudolph. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that I think next week will be Mitch Trubisky's last game in Chicago. But they could go after whether it's Mason Rudolph or Nick Foles. I, I guess they have Nick Foles still. So it's not going to be Nick yeah, Foles. But like Foles. But but he could be the guy. They're going to go after one of these veterans, sign him to a big one year deal. Um, just pay him a boatload and mm-hmm. try to go all in. I think will be their ultimate goal. Cam Newton, I actually think, could very well end up there. I mean, it could be Cam. It could be Jameis Winston. It could be yep. maybe they want to get their own dose of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh... Right, right. Nagy's going to want one of these guys that he knows are good, like baseline good. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw in there, and they're going to go all out. So Bears scare me. I mean, again, just for the Browns, one, Bears, I think, are a sign of how bad things can be if you put too many resources into a questionable quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so, and you wrote an article about that this year. I, I and did. And I think that's that's a really good warning sign. But I also think that the Browns are generally, they're going to regress. And my hope is everybody within the organization realizes that. Mm-hmm. And that lets you approach this offseason much more maturely. Yeah. And, and you know, there's still... You know, everyone's still talk about the question of what are they going to do with Odell Beckham Jr.? What are they going to do with this? Uh, who are they going to sign on defense? I mean, until Odell takes the field week one next year, the questions are going to be about him. Is he going to be on the team? Is he going to get traded? Until the you trade keep deadline. saying this. Yep, you keep saying this, and this is so true. The offense is better with Odell Beckham. Baker is better without him. And who would you rather have? And it's a fair question. It 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 really is. Uh, from a talent standpoint, I'd rather have Odell mm-hmm. uh, on the field, product, production, winning standpoint right now. Maybe I'm just a, a victim of the moment or whatever the hell the, the phrase is, but uh, Baker's fine now. Yeah. But it, you also got to worry about the everything that comes with Odell, too. Right. Because it's the talent of Odell combined with everything else. And so that's, right. that's, that's what you got to kind of balance there. Right. Now, I, An ideal world is, listen, part of what happened too is the bye week, right? So mm-hmm. Odell gets hurt, then the bye week happens. And so I think there's probably some correlation there that isn't causal, that's like noise. And so I do wonder if like there's a way, whether it's simplifying Odell's route so Baker knows where he is at all times, mm-hmm. or something of the sort that lets Baker and Odell perform well together. I, I think that's got to be the number one option. Because mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that you're going to get a lot for Odell. And I think trading Odell Bell does come with issues for Jarvis. And it Jarvis does. right now is 
I mean, you need Jarvis Landry on this team. Jarvis Landry is the team leader. Right. You need him. You cannot get rid of him. He he's he's been my guy since he got here. I've been a big you Jarvis Landry guy. I mean, it's like when you watch a soccer team, right, that has, like, one of these old guys that barely plays, mm-hmm. and then the team lets him go, and then the team just collapses, and it's like, what, the team got better talent? Like, what what happened? Oh, well, they let the old guy go who never played, but he was the leader. Mm-hmm. The difference is Jarvis actually plays, right? Yeah. You cannot get rid of Jarvis Landry, and whatever it takes to keep Jarvis happy, you have to have to do. And that may mean keeping Odell around. And I have no problem with keeping Odell around. Me either. I think they're going to. I have zero problem with that. The only, the only thing is you got to weigh. Okay, if your quarterback's Baker Mayfield and you're spending all this money on the receiving core, are you getting the most uh, return on investment for what you're spending? And I would say the answer is no. no. The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, I mean, I, we've said this uh, on on this podcast before. We've said it in in messages. It's making the decision on what you're doing with Baker or Odell or. Or Nick Chubb, it's it's not just a, a yes or no. Are you going to sign to a long term deal conversation? It's you get to a fork in the road, which leads to another fork in the road, which leads to another fork in the road, and another fork in the road. There's like one decision leads to multiple other decisions that you have to make. Right. And it's right. just it's just because of how different philosophically the team would be constructed in regards to having those players on the team long term. Right. And. and- Again, the question is, like, what are you willing to give up? Because you can't... And so the, I did see something. Theoretically, they could keep all these guys, right? They could keep Chubb, they could keep Baker, they could keep the receiving core, they can keep Miles, and they can keep Ward. Like, mm-hmm. all those guys they can keep. But then you're going to have to be able to rotate on the offensive line, which, to be fair, like, when Hubbard was here, that was happening. Mm-hmm. It was when he got hurt that it didn't. So maybe Stefanski is saying that's fine. And you just don't pay offensive linemen anymore. And so when their contracts expire, you let them go. Mm-hmm. Outside of, like, you pick one guy who would probably be Jedrick Wills at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, who, like, again, is a rookie. He's a rookie. He's yeah. looked really good. He has um, looked really good. And so maybe that's what they do. To me, that's su- super risky. Because what that means is you're pinning your hopes for success on drafting well. Mm-hmm. And you should not do that. There is no team that drafts all year after year. There isn't, and let's be honest, uh, it's not necessarily fair to the people in charge now, but the Browns have not had a great track record when it comes to drafting. Correct. Well, and again, I I mean, the best teams hit on probably 33% of the drafts. Mm -hmm. Overall, not players, but just drafts overall. And those are the best teams. Those are the Steelers, Ravens, and Patriots. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other way to look at it is... um, you don't do anything on your defense, and you become the Detroit Lions from the 2010s. Right, and I, that may be the route they go. I doubt that because of the contract they gave Miles Garrett. It, what it seems to me is this team's going to keep all of the flash players, mm-hmm. but the, like regular defensive linemen, safeties, linebackers, uh, all offensive linemen, but one are going to be the guys that get let go. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I like that, but I think that's what it's going to be. It's it's a balancing act. Uh, it is it's what it is. And on one hand, it's great to have some of these great players, but if you don't have adequate guys playing around them, it doesn't matter. 
Agreed. Which which was essentially, as I just brought up the Lions, that was their downfall. Yep. I mean, they had Stafford, they had Calvin Johnson, they had Indominus and Sue. And around them, they had trash. Right. Right. And, was, and to be fair, the Browns have drafted better than the Lions did during that period, which is have. saying something because, like, the Browns have done decently in recent years. But, I mean, they're not good. No. (laughs) We haven't drafted well. So the Lions just drafted really poorly. But, like, next year, this summer it would not shock me at all if if Austin Hooper gets traded. Probably for a bag of chips, but it would not surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all either. Because you you will never be able to trade Njoku. And... You're not going to trade Bryant because of how promising he's looked. Mm-hmm. And, but you can't keep all three of them on the roster. So I, I think it's going to be Cooper gets traded. Uh, and those uh, are the decisions you're going to have to make. Yeah, out of the three, out of, out of, out of the three prime pass-catching trade candidates to bring up uh, Odell and Jarvis again, but Odell, Jarvis, Hooper, yep. Hooper's the one I'd trade. Yeah, I think next summer, my gut, for what happens this summer, this offseason, is Hooper gets traded, mm-hmm. Baker signs an extension, and probably Chubb signs an extension. Um, I think those are the three big moves they make. I think you then have Ward playing on the last year of his deal. I think you have Odell and Jarvis still around, but like clearly one of them or both are going sooner than later. Mm-hmm. And you basically have to bring in a whole new crop of defensive linemen. Is what I think this summer. What this summer looks like. I agree. And and, and uh, before we you know get too too far into the future and future stuff, there's one last thing I want to talk about about the uh, this past game before we look ahead to mm-hmm. next week. Yep. And because I know I felt this during the game, where was because I'm pretty sure you and every other Browns fan felt it when was the moment where you felt just that feeling in your gut where you went oh no because i had that moment yesterday um i mean the easy one is steven carlson's butt recovery but (laughs) i I, I think for me the actual scary moment was i think it was the fourth quarter pittsburgh was down two scores Mm -hmm. and then they scored a touchdown and it was like, and then the Browns came out on the next drive and looked like poop. And that to me was like, oh no, not my, again. My oh no moment was the when they attempted it on fourth down and failed. And oh, Steelers yeah. got the ball back down eight. That was that moment where just, you know, you get that feeling, just that pit in your stomach feeling. It's just, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Then the Steelers hey, look, just I marched like, down the field and scored a touchdown. And they're like, oh god damn it. <laughs> Yep. In my brain, I know going for it on fourth down. That one was aggressive because it was midfield and it was like fourth and five. Mm-hmm. But like I like I know in my head when Fancy goes for it on fourth and one and fourth and two, runs up one of the highest conversion rates in the NFL. It's a good call. Like overall, it's a very good call mm-hmm. relative to like having Cody Parkey kick a field goal. Yeah. But every time they do it, it's like in these high leverage situations. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, no. And yesterday was the real oh, no, because it didn't convert. It didn't convert. The Steelers marched down. They get a touchdown. And 
not to be critical or tell or say this is what the Steelers should have done for their two point conversion, but why the hell wasn't Josh Dobbs in, on the field for Pittsburgh on that two point? Yeah, play? we couldn't stop that all game. They're going to do that next week, by the way. Oh, like, I'm I, aware. <laughs> yeah, the, the Josh Dobbs, I think, is going to see even more of the field next week. So, yeah, I don't understand what they were doing. That play design was really bad too. I mean, with those two point conversions, nobody does it mm-hmm. because it feels like it won't work. The most efficient play is either having a tall quarterback sneak it in mm-hmm. or handing off to a running back that can just slam into the hole because yeah. you don't have that many yards to go. And teams don't do that. Why didn't I mean, we couldn't stop the run game all day anyways. Like, Connor destroyed us. Why not just give it to Connor? I have no idea. I mean, as, as, as stupid as this sounds, I mean... We've had the the blueprint for what the perfect two point conversion play is for over fifteen years, and that was what you know Tim Tebow did at Florida. It was yep. just read option on the goal line, and either he slams it in or the running back does. Right, right, exactly. And then what you do is you have your receiver on the far side, mm-hmm. if or on your on your weak side. So the the quarterback's right handed, you have it on the left side. Run a slant route. Right, yeah. and so then the quarterback has three reads. Right, mm-hmm. is the running back going to power it in? Well, is there a guy marking the running back? If so, can you power it in, or is the hole closed? And if both of those are true, that means your receiver on your opposite hand probably is wide open. Yeah, it's an easy play. It works every time. Yeah, I, I don't know why the hell that they didn't just run that with Josh Jobs. I'm not complaining, but I'm just no. saying, like, if my options are. For getting you know uh, two yards for a two point conversion, it is in the hands of Mason Rudolph throwing the ball or running an RPO with Josh Dobbs. I'd rather do it with Josh Dobbs, especially in short yardage, right? Like you don't have many yards. Like if I, Mason Rudolph had like twenty yards, I, I, I pick Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. If he has four, I'm Josh Dobbs ten times out of ten. I mean, because let's be honest here, the, the, those type of plays destroy the Browns' defense. Especially yesterday. Although, I do have to say, really quickly, one positive. Jacob Phillips looks really good. Yeah, he had a good game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Phillips and Goodson next year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that either of them are starters, but given how little the Browns seem to want to invest in linebacker, it would not surprise me if they're starters. Mm-hmm. It, it's decent. Like, it, it's it's much better than Mac Wilson, Taki Taki, those guys. Yeah. And uh, just to add on in the, in the end, uh, one more thing for this game was mm-hmm. my my next oh shit moment was when the ball went through Stephen Carlson's legs. <laughs> the butt recovery, butt recovery, baby. <laughs> because I thought when I saw when I saw the ball take that weird hop and I saw it go between his legs, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, it was actually a really good onside kick. Like credit to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. that kick was really well done. Yeah. Um. I don't know, like, Steven Carlson, out of all guys you could have on there, should be the one that recovers that the easiest. He's a tight end. He caught Mm -hmm. Pat. He was one of our pass-catching tight ends last year. Like, that should not be a difficult thing for him to do. And he just, like, I mean, he almost cost the team playoffs. He he really did. And to be fair, I think that the Browns, I mean, you saw it on that last drive Mm -hmm. where they just, like, I, I know the sweep was a cool point. All they were going to convert that no matter what. I, Stepanski broke out his real playbook that last drive. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what it looked like. like he broke yeah. out the real playbook. I think he had been hiding it for much of the game. I think that first drive he did it, and then I think it wasn't until the last drive he pulled it out again. 
Yeah, I, I'm probably I probably have to agree with that because it seems like he's. I'm hoping what what yesterday or what Sunday was was a lot of let's call it setup. Yep. Just giving them basic looks that they can use as a setup for next week. So when they come out in that same that same look, they come out in that same formation. It'll be in the minds of of some of the guys in the Steelers uh, that were playing yesterday, and I know it will definitely be in the mind of you know Mike Tomlin and everyone. Of this is what they did last week. I know they're not going to fall for it because this isn't a twelve year old playing Madden, but it's still going to like be in the back of the head. Well, they did this last time. Well, and again, I, I think that the Browns have had two practices in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think part of what was going on is that, like, Svansky couldn't run the creative stuff. I think he learned that against the Jets because he tried it against the Jets and it failed. Mm-hmm. And so I think he was kind of like, I, I, we just can't do it. But yeah. I think you're right. Like, I think there is some setup, at least on things like play action, mm-hmm. right? Where you're not, are you going to just torch them with a the new playbook? No, of course not. But I think you may be able to get them to bite, especially early on, on like a play action. Like, if I'm Stefanski, I know this is ballsy. The first play of the game, I'm putting Baker under center, Chubb behind him, running play action outside zone look, and bombing it as far downfield to whatever receiver or tight end you want. Mm. Like, I, probably Harrison Bryant, just given how we played this season. Bombing it to Harrison Bryant. Provided is available. Provide, yeah, who I'm basically running like four verts. Yeah. Like just just line up in power formation with – or not power. Right? Do a 22 or yeah. 21, 12, two tight ends, 12 yeah. with two receivers <laughs> under center and just have one of those tight ends. And then that receiver on the opposite side just bomb down the pitch. It'll probably fail, but it's going to be your best chance all game to have that work. Yeah. It probably would be your best chance the entire time to make that work. Now, as as speaking of next week, as we get as they get ready, as we get ready to mentally prepare ourselves for another playoff game against the Steelers, um, <laughs> I say another like it happened last year and the year yeah. before, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's just the last time I watched a, a Browns playoff game. It was against yeah. the Steelers. Uh, yep, I was a freshman in high school. Um, <laughs> It's going to be different because we're not going to be playing the B team. Uh, right. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be there. You know, uh, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, those guys, they're going to be there. Right. It's it's not going to be the the backup squad that that we that they faced, and it's not going to be the what it looks like the just keeping James Conner fresh game. Keeping him, keeping him loose type of game, because that's what it seemed like. Uh, the NBA likes to refer to that as load management. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a, a real full-go version of the Steelers. It's going to be in Pittsburgh. Uh, when the third quarter starts, they're going to play, um, what's it called, uh, Renegade, okay? Yep. It's going to happen. So it's going to be a lot different. Yep. So... What do you expect to see different besides, you know, Ben Roethlisberger being in and, uh, you know, the A-team being in, you know, minus Mr. T. I mean, so I think it will be a very different offense. I think the Browns 
where the Browns would have struggled most this last week, I think the Steelers didn't actually do mm-hmm. because they Mason Rudolph can't do it. I, they're going to try to torch us with small passes and quick, quick offense. They're not going to slow us slow down because that's how you torch this defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to happen. I am less nervous about their defense, and I know like TJ Watt's going to be back, Hayward's going to be back. I, I fully acknowledge that. I, I really think Stefanski was running such a vanilla offensive playbook yesterday that it, it just that doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. I think the Browns are going to be able to put up a lot of points. The question's going to be, and this is why I think if you're betting, I would bet the Steelers. Can the defense stop their offense for? 20% of possessions, right? 20% of drives can the Browns stop the Steelers. And I am not convinced at all. I, I That, to me, I, is where I'm most worried. And it would be any team. I'm, I'm not specifically yeah. to the Steelers, but any team. I, mm-hmm. I have such little faith in Joe Woods in the defense. Mm-hmm. For, for what I think, uh, you know, defensively, it's, it's not just about forcing a punt or getting a turnover. It's forcing consecutive punts, or forcing a punt and a turnover, back-to-back. Right. You know, maybe forcing three in a row. And they forced three straight punts to start the game for the Steelers mm-hmm. yesterday. Then it was field goal, field goal, field goal. Then they threw a pick, then touchdown, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up working for the Browns on Sunday, but Ben Roethlisberger, those aren't going to be field goals. Those are going to be touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Instead of three straight field goals. Yeah, and the Browns are going to need to figure out how were teams beating the Steelers to end the season? Mm-hmm. What were teams taking advantage of? And I've actually read, there's a lot of theories. One is Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have a great arm anymore, so they're using interior pass rush. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's what it's going to take, Browns don't have that, yeah. unless they move Miles to defensive tackle, which they could do. Uh, to um, accommodate Adrian Claiborne, maybe they could. Right. But... So that's an option, especially if Vernon is well with Vernon out. Yes, and so so maybe they try that. I, the other theory I read is that the Steelers are not good at reading zone coverage. Mm-hmm. Well, Browns have the best man corner in the NFL, who they tend to just use in zone whenever he plays. So maybe the trick is Woods actually like grows up the courage to run disguised zone plays, like creative zone plays. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds crazy, and it probably won't happen. But I, I, that's my concern. I, I think the only way the Browns can stop this is if the Ben Roethlisberger arm strength thing is a legit question and that Miles Garrett can transition to defensive tackle. Otherwise, I, I think the Browns will not be able to stop them. And I don't think the Browns will be able to keep up the pace of scoring. I think they'll score a lot. They but should. I, I, I don't think they'll keep up the pace. Yeah, it, I mean, it's... The one thing about TJ Watt is he does make it easier to run the ball, mm-hmm. if only because he's pass blitzing or pass covering every play. Like yes. He is the best pass kind of 3-4 linebacker, pass 23-4 linebacker in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But similar to Miles Garrett, that means there's a hole to run through. Um, and Miles Garrett does it from a different position, but it's very similar, right? Miles Garrett's yeah. a pass rusher. He, he's not a run stopper. He does not seal the edge. 
And so I, I think that that is Stefanski's got to play into that, right? We know you don't want to pass against TJ Watt. We also know you can run at TJ Watt. Like mm-hmm. TJ Watt is one of my favorite players in the NFL. He cannot stop Nick Chubb. I, no. I don't think anybody can, to be fair. But like you got to use that to your advantage. Yes. But I don't think they're going to keep up the pace. That's I, yeah. I think it'll be a high-scoring affair. I think the Browns probably lose by like ten to fourteen points. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like a beat down ten to fourteen points. But I think yeah, I do not think the defense will be able to handle the Pittsburgh's offense enough. I don't either. I mean, and that's that's really what it it, it is. It's it's the hey maybe they get lucky. Um, you know, the turnover luck has not been friendly to the Browns the past few weeks. Uh, it definitely swing in the other direction. Maybe we get one more pendulum swing at the right time here, and right, right. they get super lucky. Um, but they're gonna need, you know, some things to bounce their way. You know? Yeah, uh, and uh, it worked <laughs> this past Sunday. It worked yesterday. Uh, things bounced the right way for him, literally with the onside kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that keeps going this week i think the best version of this week is the baltimore ravens game except at the end the browns win instead of lose yeah you know uh, if that makes sense like just this high scoring blowout where variance swings the browns way yeah you know a game in the 40s and yep well i mean what we what we don't want to see i guess is uh, a repeat of the first time they played the Steelers or the week one game against the Ravens. That's not that's not what we want to see. No. And, and to be fair, I don't think we will because I think this Browns team has grown tremendously since then, including yes. the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've really grown. I, I think, I know the first Steelers game, wasn't it the week before the bye? Like two weeks? It was very close around the bye. Maybe the week after. I forgot which. I think it was two weeks before the bye. I think it was the, week before, before the, the, was before yeah. the week before the, uh, the Raiders game. Raiders game, that's right. Yeah, because we got... No, because we didn't lose two straight all season. Then, hold on. Week six, Bengals was in between. Bengals, okay. Yeah. I I think that bye week was massively important for everybody on this team. Mm -hmm. Especially the coaching staff, but Baker, too. The offensive play calling hit... I mean, I thought it was good before then, don't get me wrong. The bye week, the offense... After that, the... Offensive play calling has gotten substantially better in pretty much every possible area. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think we've grown. But again, the Browns are a variance team, and everybody knows this, right? Mm-hmm. The Browns win games because their teams, their, their opponent sucks, or because they win the variance battle. Yesterday was variance battle. Yes. Like, first off, I don't think the Steelers B team is a bad team. I think that Steelers B team still probably makes the playoffs in the AFC. Um, or, or at least is close. They're at least a nine-win team in the AFC. But I, it was variance. The, the Browns did not beat them down because they were bad. They won because of variance. And that's fine. That's what this offense is designed to do. It, it You get variance early, and then you can run the ball really well, so you eat up play clock. And that's what they're going to need to do to win. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, that simple. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I'm not saying it's likely, but yeah. that—that's the—that's the, that's the root. You yeah. get, the, you win the Bears battle. 
not going to be easy. Definitely be a, a tough battle for the Browns. Um, as you said, if they win the variance battle. Yes, I mean, do you think that, what, what do you think the odds of them winning are? <sighs> oh, man. Um, somewhere like 15 to 20%. Yeah, I'm at 20%. I think if they played 10 times, the Browns would win twice. So I'm, I'm at 20%. I'm at that 15 to 20%. Um, yeah. You know, only, only because uh, you've seen, we've seen good things come out, you know, from the Browns offensively. Uh, the Steelers did limp their way to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, you don't know what what they're going to look like next week either. I mean, uh, we've seen so many times teams rest their starters in the last game of the season. I, I know it's different this year because they really didn't have a true bye week, but we've seen teams rest their starters, then lose the their first playoff game. Yep, yep. No, I think the other thing going the Browns' way, two things is one Baker Mayfield is better when people are talking crap about him, mm-hmm. like. Generally, like historically in college and in the NFL, that's when Baker's been best. Mm-hmm. So, and that's happening right now, right? When you, it, Baker's not, I'm sure he's on social media. I'm sure he watches things like NFL Network. And what everybody's saying is like, listen, Baker has swag, but is he good enough to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? Probably not. Mm-hmm. That's what they were saying this morning. Baker's going to hear that. I think that's good. The other thing is good is a lot of players on this team are, are momentum guys. Mm-hmm. And we have positive momentum. So from like an intangible standpoint, I actually think the Browns are in a decent spot. But my concern is what you pointed out, right? Steelers are just better. They're yeah. a better football team. Talent-wise, they're a better team. And their coaching staff's more experienced. Mm-hmm. They've been there before. Yep. That matters. It does. 100% it matters. It's why this Packers last year, who were much worse than they were this year, breeze their way through until the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. I mean, experience matters. Experience matters. There's one thing I wanted to touch on because you said it. I, I wanted to, there's one thing I want to just discuss then we, we can, uh, we can call it a, call it a podcast, I guess. Uh, you brought up momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer in momentum when it comes to football. I believe I believe in rhythm. I do not believe in momentum. I think those are two separate things. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually think intangibles play like a substantial role mm-hmm. in deciding games, especially in the NFL, but in pretty much all sports. Like, I guess in the only one I can think of where momentum actually does matter is soccer, especially like when it comes to like goal scores, which is just such a random event. Mm-hmm. But. Otherwise, I, I'm not a huge believer in it, and that's part of my concern. Is like, do I think Baker does better when he's being doubted? Yes, I think that's his personality. Mm-hmm. Do I think he will have a terrible game on Sunday? No, I don't. I think he will be fine. I think, he, but again, Baker's a variance guy. Mm-hmm. We have seen game, like that Titans game. Baker was playing played out of his mind. That mm-hmm. Ravens game. Baker played out of his mind. Do I think that's because Baker was really improving that much? No, it, that's who he is as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If the deep ball's connecting, he looks that good. And so 
I think for Baker it matters. I agree with you on momentum. And I don't know how much it matters for Baker. Like, if Baker goes from a 5 out of 10 to a 7 out of 10, does that really change the outcome of the game? Maybe. I mean, to me, it's like the Ravens game, right? Yeah. Did, did that change the outcome? It could have. You play that last quarter 10 times, the Browns probably win six of them. Mm-hmm. But there was four times where it didn't matter, like, at all. Yeah. And we lived in that world. And that's my concern. Yeah. The, the, the only sport I truly believe momentum and rhythm matters a whole bunch is baseball. Because yeah. they play every I think day. Base, yeah, right, exactly. It, they it, play it, every day. And again, hitting, like, goal scoring is random. Or it's like a, it's a noisy stat, right? And yeah. so the more rhythm you have doing it, the better you're at. I mean, we saw that with Carlos Santana and actually walks, I think. Like, mm-hmm. when he was at his prime, he was just getting walks every time out. Because mm-hmm. like, he just... He was in that rhythm. Mm. Jose Ramirez, who had like a terrible like year and a half, got out of rhythm. He got in the rhythm again, and he's been great. Yeah, uh, basketball is the other one where it's kind of, but not really. I think basketball it is game to game, but mm-hmm. like basketball matters very much in game, right? Yes. J.R. Smith was either a all star shooting guard or a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's one of the two. He was never kind of like this in between. Like, oh, he's always a positive player. He's no. the extreme to both. Nothing in between. He's the extremes. Right, right. But but that to me was like the definition of like when momentum matters in basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you though. It, generally speaking, in football, I, I don't buy that it matters so much. I don't even buy that it matters much in game. Mm-hmm. And the best players like Nick Chubb. If you told me Nick Chubb gets twenty five carries next week and two hundred yards. And it was like, oh, well, how? I wouldn't say, oh, that was a surprise because he only had 12 carries the week before. Like, that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I actually think Chubb very likely could get 200 yards next weekend. It's it's definitely possible. That, you know, listen, if Nick Chubb gets 200 yards in a playoff game, that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, it doesn't whole, mean you uh, win, but it, it puts you in that. It's like the Titans, who, again, I think last mm-hmm. year were a better team than we are this year. But it's like that Titans-Kansas City game where Derrick Henry did have a great game. Um, I don't need that many yards because Titans end up having to throw the ball more. Mm-hmm. But like, generally, like it, it, that it doesn't mean you win, right? It just gives you a better chance of winning. Yeah. And, and if somehow Nick Chubb ends up with around 200 yards, you would hope that there's at least a moment in time late in the game where it's at least close, or you were winning. Yep. Exactly. Or or you are within a score, and that score would have put you in the lead. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you.